When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, uh, how are you, Janice? Hello, Janice. (laughs) Hello, Jillian. So, uh, yeah, what's up, man? Everything's good. Everything's just fine. You're a liar. No, I want, yeah, I am, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why do people say that? I was actually, like, getting in the elevator today to come do the show. And I was kind of, you know, stuck waiting for the elevator with this guy. And there was like this awkward sort of show. And so I was like, hello. And he was like, hello. And I <laughs> hello. go, I go, how are you? And he goes, I wish people would stop emailing me. And I was like, I love that he just told the truth. And I was like this, oh, are they annoying you? He goes, yeah. And it's Friday. And I don't want to deal with that today. And I was like, why don't you say I don't want to deal with this today? And he's like, well, I thought about it. And like we ended in this whole conversation. And I was like, well. If you don't feel comfortable just coming right out and confronting them, you could behaviorally condition them and just not respond. He goes, and you think when I don't respond, they'll stop emailing? And I was like, yes, over time. And he was like, well, thanks for that. And I was like, have a good day. I hope it gets better. But I love that he just told me the truth. He's like, pissed you off, freaking email. I'm not in the mood for this today. And I was like, oh, well, good for I you. Think, I think sometimes we lie because we just don't want to get into it or we just, you yeah, know. Well, uh, come yeah. on, tell the truth. How you doing, Janice? No, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm okay. I'm not great, but I'm okay. All right. Yeah. I I mean I have quality. There's nothing there's nothing huge. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, fine. I kind of noticed like so the new year comes, right? And it kind of got off to a really rocky start with a group of friends um of mine. And so I have this kind of blowout with a couple of friends who are uh, vegan. And when I say vegan, I mean like, oh, whoa. like ra- Radical. Well, yeah, they become more and more radical. And I support, like, I mean like radical animal activists, right? Okay. And I happen to love them for that and love everything they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, But something had happened where we were at a restaurant on New Year's Eve 
and uh, there was foie gras on the menu, right? Okay. Even though it, it was like a side dish for like a this beef thing. And so one of the people who they didn't even really know had ordered the dish, and she didn't even know what foie gras was, and it became like a whole scene, and they're like, we're leaving, and they stormed out of the restaurant. And oh, no. So then me and my other friend got really mad because we were like, this is totally inappropriate and uncool and outrageous, and we end up having this whole fight. And then another friend of mine, <laughs> I happened to really like uh, his significant other. I happen to, like, really like this person, but I'm really loyal. I'm like the Omerta. Uh, you know, it's like it, the minute it's over, the person's dead to me dead. Like, I just, I don't, I can't stand people who aren't loyal, and I'm really right. loyal. Like, if we were walking down the street and you said, I hate that bitch, I'd be like, that bitch is dead to me dead. <laughs> and it could be Mother <laughs> Teresa. I'd be like, screw her. You want me to shank that bitch in the parking lot? I will go get, like, it's just, I, I will, I will cut a bitch if you tell, you know, I just, that's how I am. So I'm like, oh shoot. So we lose the significant other as a friend and I'm like, oh my God, they're dropping like flies. And then two of my other friends are fighting. And so it's like, they won't be in the same room together. So I'm like, well, which friend do I invite? Mm. So I decided I was going to invite both friends. I was like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like I'm going to invite both friends. And if one friend chooses not to show up, it's on her. I'm not going to cut out my other friend. So anyway, the year, right. So the year starts off bad. I'm like, this sucks, man. I don't want to start the year off like this. This is not what I wanted. So I think, all right, I'm going to clean up my side of the street. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to reach out and I, I'm going to say like, so for our friends that were vegan, I was like, you know, I was kind of like, what happened and what the hell and what were you guys thinking and whatever. And um, I was like, we're not the enemy. You know, we support you. And uh, I was like, you know, if you felt offended because somebody at the table ordered the foie gras, like she didn't even know and what it was and you just had to tell her. So to make a long story short, I get an email back and it tells me like you've never this is the part that killed me. You've never been supportive of us, which I mean, oh, I've been friends God. with these people for like five years. I've never been supportive of it. Like, dude, we always have vegan meals for them whenever we make sure wherever we're going, there's vegan food or like if we're having an occasion like Fourth of July, Christmas, like there's always vegan food available to them. I mean, I've put numerous posts for animals, animal causes. I donate thousands of dollars to Paws, uh, friggin' PETA. I mean, I've lent my name to, like, horse rescues, PMU roundups, elephant rescues, the dolphin slaughter. Like, I mean, uh, you name it. I've been out there sort of, like, trying to – and I was vegan for a year and just could not do it. I did not – I was like, I don't think it's healthy. It's not good for me. And so mm -hmm. I sort of – came to this place of like, okay, I'm going to eat meat that in moderation that I feel has been ethically, you know, like as organic as possible, as clean as possible. Anyway, so I get this letter and it's like, I can't believe how insensitive you are to our cause. And I'm like, I don't wear fur. I don't eat veal. I don't eat foie gras. I don't eat pork. Like I, and, and it kind of was like, then I got really mad. Right. So then my ego was like, screw you. And I don't want to talk to you. And to make it very long, and then we lose the, the other friend, and so I kind of sat there, and I was like, I'm fighting for this, I'm fighting for this, because my the old me would have just been like, you know what, you offended me, yeah. you're dead to me dead, yeah. right? Yep. And then the new me was really fighting to that. try to maintain, right, to try to be vulnerable and like really look at what I've done, and 
it'd be one thing if they said, you know, when we got up and left the table, you know, you said F you and you freaked out. And I did. I was really mad. It had been building, though. And I, I was like, you know what? F you. It sucks that you're doing this and it's not fair. And I was really pissed. And if it was like you blew up at us, then I feel like I could have said you're totally right. And I'm working on it. I shouldn't have done that. You're right. But when they kind of went back in history and sort of negated everything I'd done, I felt really defeated. Sure, sure. And I felt like, okay, this feels so unfair to me because, I mean, I had, like, bailed out a pet store that that pulls dogs out of the pound to the tune of five grand for that. Like, I mean, I had, like, the animal thing. Here's the thing. I didn't do it for my friends. I'm an animal lover. Yeah. And so I was like, my God, I'm offended on so many different levels. I don't even know where to begin. I've personally rescued over 50 animals myself from dogs, cats, and horses. So it was like, and Heidi kind of sat me down and she's like, you know what, honey? The old you would never have given anything a chance. The new you is almost like struggling for relationships that maybe have sort of outgrown. Maybe you've outgrown. And the thing is, I love my friends. I do. But they have become, like, extremely intense and fanatical. So we were in Whistler, and there was a little kid that I guess had had a five-year-old or six-year-old. or I don't know. I didn't see the kid. Um, they were on a bus with us, a little shuttle from the hotel, right? The kid apparently had, like, fur on his jacket. Well, my friend gave the kid a PETA card with a picture of a skinned rabbit on it and statistics. And she also gave one to the mother. I didn't see it, though. Heidi told me about it. And she's like, honey, this is not you cannot be doing you can't be with people who are giving children because, you know, I'm me, I'll get my ass ripped about this. I didn't see it. So I didn't even have a chance to sort of confront my friend. But they've become more and more kind of intense and fanatical. And while I totally appreciate and respect their position and I like that there are people out there in the world fighting a good fight, you can't give that to a five. I would kill someone if they give that to my five year old. So she's like, maybe. We've just come to a place where we're no longer, like, we're not compatible anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, then another one of my friends wanted to go to a French restaurant in Vegas, and she's like, well, I don't want to invite them because I feel like they're going to freak out and storm out of the restaurant yeah, when there's things on the menu. And, right. you know, and then the the friend, the boyfriend of my friend that I lost, I was like, okay, you know, this sucks. And, and, I, and I guess I just realized, like, there are some things, and we've talked about this before, that are out of your control. And I had thought I was going to fix all of it. I went into the new year, and I sent this email to everybody and all of our friends, our whole group. And I was like, we all got to sit down, and we got to own our stuff, take responsibility, apologize to each other, and voice our feelings. And nobody would sit down. Nobody! They were all like, you know, I got all these emails back because there are people that are fighting with one another within our little group, right? And it was like, I for, you know, I hold no grudge. I forgive everybody. You know, I don't hold any grudges. I go into the new year wishing everybody love and blessings. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on. You forgive everybody? Oh, how big of you. But you take zero responsibility for the part that you've played. This wasn't my vegan friends. This was other group. And I, and I was like, I can't, I can't change this. I can't make people be who I need them to be to make a relationship mm-hmm. work. I can't change my friends who've become, like, very extreme and fanatical about their cause. And I've come to this place where I'm like, okay, this is not my ego saying F you. I don't want to speak to you again. And then there's my limitation of what can be managed and what can't be managed and what's compatible and what isn't compatible. And I realized, and I was like, well, I just don't want to lose these friends in my life. I like not, you know, I like these people. 
But sometimes you do lose relationships. Yeah. Yeah, what you originally said was sometimes things run their course. Yes, and, and that's hard to. But it, that's tough, especially when you're when you you're you Jillian. You know, you've had to tighten your unit because there's a lot of trust issues. You know, like I mean, yeah. you had to tighten. So for you to have to lose, ugh, it's devastating. I was bummed, man. Really bummed. I'm sure you were, because my friends are like family to me. For sure, because I'm like I've them. selected this person to be in my life, and I mean, and you're great with my kids, and like. There's a part of me that's like, okay, keep fighting. And then there's another part of me that's like, I don't know that this is going to work anymore. Like, if we go skiing in a ski town, someone's going to wear fur. Yeah. And what oh, are you going to do? Give a five-year-old a picture of a skinned fox? You can't do that. I, I can't be around that. So I get it if you want to go up to an adult and say, listen, I mean, maybe maybe you don't know, you know. But, like, this is a really brutal practice. And it's, you know, maybe just consider the facts and hand them a card. Okay, fine. But I'm sort of coming to that place where I'm like, you know what? Okay. If I lose somebody in my life, it'll be okay. And and I find that people have a hard time, and I'm not saying that I'm cutting these people out of my life because they're bad because they're not, they're not at all bad. I think we've just become too different. But I notice that a lot of people have a hard time cutting dysfunctional people out because they feel like, well, then I'll have no friends. Mm-hmm. And you know something? I guess I'm just at that place where I'm like, it'll be, but it's going to be okay. You make new relationships, you form new connections. And as you grow, you attract different people who are going through different things. And I realized one of our friends like could not take responsibility for something she had done to a lot of different people. And she'd ended up alienating like five different people in our little group of friends. And I was like, okay, you know, I can't, no, I can't talk to you. I can't get you to come to the table. I can't get you to take responsibility. You say you forgive all of us and blessings. And I was like, wow, okay. And it's like, maybe we just, we've outgrown one another. And I still love her. I still have nothing but like affection for her. I still think she's a really good person, but I feel like her limitation in this area has limited our ability to be friends. And that's something that I have to live with. Mm-hmm. And that, and I'm and I'm trying to get to that place where I'm like, okay, so you know what? This is loss. I'm ah, I know what it is. I've never had a loss where I don't hate the other person. That's what it is. This is the first time in my life where I'm unable to reconcile how I'm having a loss with somebody that I still love. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. As in the past, I would write them off and they'd be all bad to me. You're an a-hole. I hate you. You're a selfish scumbag. I hate you. And then I was like, wait, we, I, we don't hate each other. We can work this out. We're good people. And then I was like, oh, my God, I still love you and I still like you and we can't work this out. What the hell? Yeah. And it just blew my mind because now I have to live in that gray space that I talk so much about where I'm like, I love you. You're a really good person. And we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> it's like, I love you and I'm really disappointed in you. This sucks. Mm-hmm. It's torturous. It's so hard. I'm like, I like you, and I love you, and yet we can't can't respect each other's issues enough to to make the friendship work anymore. So the the relationship changes. The relationship has to change, and and sometimes we don't know how to have a different relationship with the person. No, I don't. This is how you and I know each other, and this is all I know. I don't know how to know you any other way. I don't. And and then I'm like, well, how do we go on trips together? Like, we want to go to New Orleans. How are we supposed to go there? They eat freaking crocodile there. Are you going to, or alligator? Are you going to see that on a menu and like go apoplectic? Or, 
you know, then it's like with my other friend, I'm like, well, but you do this thing that hurts my feelings. If you don't see it and you won't stop doing it, how the F are we supposed to continue our friendship? So it's just, I don't know, dude, it's wild. It's so wild. And I guess I, I'm just saying, like, if you need to cut people out of your life because it's it's not healthy for you in one way or another or you've grown too far apart but you still love them, I guess my advice is, like, it's going to be okay. Yep. There are new relationships. There are new connections. And clean up your side of the street. Take responsibility for what you contributed. Make an effort to change the dynamic. And if you can't change them or you can't make them what you need them to be or vice versa for the relationship to work out don't stay in something or compromise yourself nor should they it's okay you'll be okay you won't be alone forever and you'll make new connections can't control everything month that my book comes out i thought i would do a little segment per show of some tips that i pulled from my book and today i thought we would do motivation tips I, maybe you should say the name of your book again oh yeah because it's not a shameless plug it's not a shameless plug slim for life slim for life slim, slim for life, for life. <laughs> <laughs> no it's it sounds awesome it sounds like a great book i'm oh, quite well, looking forward thank to it. you um so Anyway, the whole idea behind the book is to help you build strategies so you can stay slim for life. And one of the biggest problems that people talk to me all about is motivation, especially, you know, after the new year. It's like, oh, I'm losing it. I'm losing my motivation. And, and you know, while it's great to find something external that can help you catalyze change, whether it's a contestant's trans- transformation on Biggest Loser or seeing Madonna flash her butt cheeks in concert at 50-something years old and have them be rock hard. I mean, I found that inspiring. I was like, that's impressive. That's impressive right there. Wow. That's great. Whatever it might Mm -hmm. be from the outside that will help you say, wow, I'm inspired. I want to make a change. Okay, great. But for lasting change and lasting motivation, you've got to make it personal. So before you even step on a treadmill or you hit the gym, you got to identify why you want to change, how your life will get better. And you see a lot of people, and we've talked about this a little on the show, where they say, like, well, I want to be healthy. What, yes. what does that mean? I don't even know. What does that mean to you? It means something different to everybody. Does it mean walking your daughter down the aisle? Does it mean seeing your grandchildren graduate from college? Does it mean looking hot at spring break? Does it mean making your baby daddy jealous that he left you for his secretary? Like, what does it mean? And the thing is, healthy, like, that's not, you know, when you're going, oh, I, you know, okay, I really want this piece of pizza or I want to be healthy. Like, you know, you need to say, I really want this piece of pizza or I want to wear that bikini on my vacation. I want this piece of pizza or I want to live to walk my daughter down the aisle. You've got to have this defined vision of what you want and see it in your head. Feel what it would feel like to be in that body, live in that body, play with your kids in that body, do, you know, have sex in that body, whatever it might be. See it, feel it, experience it, attach to it, form a vision and an emotional attachment to the goal because it's, it's work. It, losing weight and being healthy is not easy. 
Now, I don't want you to think it's a chore. It's not a chore. It's a gift, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Having your health and the time to prioritize your health, it's a gift. But with that said, it isn't without effort on your part. But if you have that why of why you want to do it, then you can tolerate any how. So Mm. that's the thing. Make it personal. Form an attachment. Create a vision. And then whenever you're saying like, well... I really want that bagel. It's like, okay, do you really you really want that bagel? But and Oprah once said it best with nothing is going to taste as good as thin feels. But again, you just need to figure out what thin is to right. you. That's mm-hmm. all. Uh now, here's another one that I find really important. When you're setting goals, this is really easy. We've gone over this a bunch of times, but it's important to be specific. Again, don't just say I want to be healthy or this or that. Like, where do you want to see the cholesterol numbers? How far do you want to run? How much weight do you want to lose? Be specific. Set a goal that's quantifiable. Set a goal that's measurable. Or you never know when you've got there and you can't measure progress. And that can get really frustrating. Then I want you to put it on paper. Because they've done a bunch of studies. And for some reason, when you write something down, it causes or creates a greater sense of commitment to it put it on paper write down your goal it it has a way of making it more solidified and concrete in your mind so write it down to see to see it or just to write it down i want you to write it down the more you post it around you with like a vision board the more you see it surround yourself control your environment the better it is but then i want you to break it down so now you've got that long-term goal right of i don't i want to lose 100 pounds By the way, it doesn't have to be weight. It could be, I want to open my own business. All right. Well, what needs to happen for you to do that? So, like, if we said weight, well, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds a month. Okay, so for the next five months, you want to lose 20 pounds. These are your monthly goals. Okay, well, now, how do you lose 20 pounds a month? What's your weekly goal going to be? Well, my weekly goals are I want to lose four pounds, and I want to get to the gym four times or work out four times, and I want to make my daily calorie allowance or my weekly calorie allowance this, this, and this. Okay? Now then, to achieve that, what are your daily goals? Well, today I need to rearrange carpool so I make sure that I can get my workout in on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay? Um, I need to go to the supermarket so I can prepare my healthy food for the rest of the week. Uh, okay, today I need to actually go to the gym today. Like you break it down because when you set such a huge goal, it's overwhelming and no one knows where to begin. So like, how do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? Break it down into small goals. I know we talked about that. (laughs) I'm not going to revisit it. It's important. Here's another one. And this is also really critical. Don't be a perfectionist. So, you know, people begin a program and they're like, they're so good. And they go to the gym every day and they eat perfect. And then. They have a candy bar on a bad day, and they're like, ugh, I blew it. I suck. Oh, my God, I can't do this. What is that? That's absurd. So as kind of a good rule of thumb, I like to say be good 80% of the time and 20% of the time, cut yourself a break. So if it's every fifth meal that you have a cheat meal or if it's, okay, my daily calorie allowance is – uh, 1,600, so 20% of that is going to be 320. I can eat 320 calories of whatever I want. Even if you're eating 1,200 calories a day, 240 calories can be whatever you want. So it is a Reese's or a piece of peanut or a piece of pizza or, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. 
And think about it, it's five times a week you go to the gym, two times a week you're off, or four, you know, if that's roughly the breakdown. 80 20 is a good rule. If you set yourself up to be perfect all the time, I promise you, you will fail and you will get discouraged. And another thing is, um, try, even though we talked a little bit about external motivation, try taking a, a vicarious journey through someone else. If you get discouraged, watch an episode of The Biggest Loser because you do go on that journey with that contestant. It is hard and you do identify with that. But then to see them triumph and overcome is deeply motivating. And we identify mm -hmm. with these stories that we watch. Or I'll look back in the past and I'll look at people that motivated me and I'll go, you know, they failed here and they failed there and they got back up and they put it back together and they figured it out. And I kind of live vicariously through their journey and it makes me feel capable and inspired. And those in the biography section, let's say, let's face it, the biography section of any bookstore is so fascinating. Oh, when you you're read, right. you're right. When you read someone, I mean, a book is a book. It takes a while than than an episode. Steve Jobs a, get, I, dropped out of college and got thrown out of his own company. I mean, yeah, really? Like, yeah. And some of the old, some of the old, even movie stars have these amazing stories of try. I mean, I'm not just saying movie stars. There's just many other people, but biographies yeah, but are incredible to read. It's You're totally right. Yeah. You make a great point. Pick somebody you admire and explore what they did with their life. Yeah. Uh, make an announcement. This is really important. So here's a, in a recent study uh, by MediWeight Lust Clinics, 53% of women said that others had pressured them to eat foods that weren't on their diet. 56% of those women said they caved because they didn't want to insult the person offering the food. 41% <laughs> said they caved because they didn't want to call attention to their diet. 35% said it was because people made jokes about their diet. Wow. So, obviously, this is unacceptable. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want you to make an announcement. You tell the people that you're with, you tell your family, you tell your loved ones, you tell your friends, you tell your coworkers, I'm trying to get my health back. Please be supportive. Make an announcement. They're not mind readers. And bring their awareness. Bring their consciousness. Don't let them sabotage you. Even if you do tell them and they sabotage you, well, then, yes, you're going to need to set boundaries and reevaluate the relationship. But make an announcement. This is what I'm doing. I'd appreciate your support. Yeah. And, that, and, then, yeah. Surround, and then last but not least, build a support system. Join an online community. If you're overweight, go to Overeaters Anonymous. Join a running group. Uh, build a support system of people who share a like mind and uh, similar d desires and, and have the same goals because uh, like attracts like and we're massive influencers on one another and you are the company you keep. Yeah. Granted, I could have gone on and on and on, but we don't have on and on. So just a few tips from no, the book. No, it's wonderful. From it's the motivation cool. section of the book. Yeah. Very cool. I know. Uh, we have a very, very special guest today that we are so happy to have back on the show because um, we need to talk about something real, real important. Yeah. Uh, so for everybody listening, we want to talk about heart disease. It's the number one killer of women. And Janice found an article in the Huffington Post that both of us found so disturbing about a 35-year-old woman 
who's 13 weeks pregnant, and all of a sudden she's feeling like she's got a little heartburn, she's a little bit nauseous, her jaw's tightening up, and to make a long story short, she's suddenly being airlifted to the hospital where she has an emergency angioplasty and a stint put in. She was having a heart attack and subsequently lost her baby and didn't recognize or notice or have any symptoms of a heart attack whatsoever. And so we have asked our very favorite person in the world, Dr. Katya Van Hurley, to come on the show today. Hi, Dr. V. Hi there, Jillian. Hi, Janice. How are you both? Very good. Thanks, good, thanks for coming on with us, Thank Dr. you v. so much for coming on. And Dr. V, we were hoping that you could give people, women of course in particular, some things that they need to look out for. What, what yeah. do we need to do here? Because this sounds this is 35 years old. Yeah. So, so you know, Jillian and Janice, public health education is my platform. I'm a doctor in, in the clinic. That's the trenches of medicine. But I, I really believe you get people well through empowering them with knowledge. And Jillian, several years ago, that's how you and I connected. I'm going to actually rattle off some statistics that I think are going to really place this on why these top seven and why, even more importantly than a top seven, this is the most important clinical issue that women in this country and overseas are facing. So from the American Heart Association, the AHA, they did an awareness survey just recently, and what they found is about half a million, 500,000 women in the U.S. die per year from heart disease. That's one woman per minute. Oh, my God. If you add that up for all the next five causes combined, which includes breast cancer, this is way, way more. And that's not a good clinical term or an epidemiology term, but way more is meaningful. And what we're saying is that if you are looking at one in three women in the United States that die of heart disease per year, versus one in 31 women of breast cancer and all the other illnesses. Now, breast cancer is nothing to be taken lightly because we've done shows on all these prevention possible methods. The thing about heart disease is there are prevention elements, much more than for breast cancer even. Really? So, So this is really important. Now, one of the reasons that we think women have such a high and much higher risk is we, quite frankly, are more stoic, meaning we don't call. 53% of women that actually are thinking they're having a heart attack won't pick up the phone and call 911. And guess what? When they get, let's say, to their primary care physician or the ER, and they've got these unusual symptoms that aren't classic, like the typical men presentation symptoms of chest pain, Right. when they're different, we're going to go through it, they're sort of looked at like, oh, well, this is anxiety, this is indigestion, there's something else happening. So we we start off by holding back too much and not going forward. We'll talk about what we do about that. The other thing that's really critical in in the U.S. is that if we look at African-American and Hispanic women, women of color, we're in real trouble. Forty-seven percent of African-American women in the U.S. have some form of heart disease. Oh, my God. That's almost half. Hispanic women with uh, even genetics or non-genetics for this present, meaning they they actually start getting symptoms and problems 10 years younger than their Caucasian counterparts. Come on. Why is this? Because isn't the African-American community also more susceptible to type 2 diabetes? That's correct. You hit the nail on the head. We think that there's a number of reasons, and obviously public health uh, experts, uh, myself and others, but have looked at why is this, and there's something called access to health care. Is it that they don't get screening and don't see their physicians? Is no one looking at them seriously? 
that may be one, okay. so the socioeconomic status of a woman, and sometimes that can be correlated with color or race or gender and That's so forth, disgusting. and women, again, can fall into all those categories that may be underserved. Right. But I think what's more important is what you were getting at, which is that we're seeing, even if you look at level of economics and access to health care, it's probably those genes which are probably 50 to 100 genes at least, that predict diabetes, and they unfortunately come in clusters with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all of that together, high sugar, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol, now you're a setup so that your heart is going to suffer. Okay. So I think that the, the good news is, is that we know that if, you, if, you, if we start educating about 80%, and it's predicted 80% in the U.S., of heart attacks and strokes in women can be prevented. And they can be pre- prevented by exactly this kind of awareness, Jillian. So, 80? You know, That's a huge it, number. It, it's huge, meaning that you'd have 20% of patients that still would face, you know, 2 out of 10 women still would face heart disease, a stroke, but 8 out of 10 would not. Wow. So, so this is probably one of your most important shows that you both have ever done. So it, let's go through our top seven okay. because you're the patient, the young woman in her 30s, and, and I'm so sorry to hear this story. And um, how sad is this? And, and there are many stories like this because even fit women can have no symptoms. Mm. What we know is, number one, if you start looking at, and this was a 2003 study in circulation uh, medical journal uh, what they saw is they looked at 511 women, and they really studied these women who have heart disease, and they saw that 43% of them did not have chest pain as their primary symptom. Wow. So the classic or typical symptoms, and it is still the most common because it's only 43% that didn't have chest pain, so the majority had chest pain with heart disease, but the majority, while they, didn't, while they had chest pain, the ones that had the atypical pain had the following. Okay. Number one, shortness of breath. What they felt and what they were experiencing was even with minimal activity, they couldn't catch their breath. Now, this wasn't asthma. It wasn't anything like that. They just said, gosh, I'm out of breath. I'm huffing and puffing, if you will, and this is a minimal activity. In fact, some women reported having to sleep up, uh, sitting upright, and so forth. Wow. And, and that's pretty important because you don't think like you know when you climb the stairs and so forth that's normal for most of us but if there's a new onset symptom okay that's the key and if you're feeling like wow this is funny why when i always go up these two flights of stairs at my office or my house or wherever why is it now i'm short of breath you actually have to take heed of that God, see, I would have just thought, oh, my, I must be having anxiety today. Yeah. I would have just been like, I'm obviously just so stressed out and anxious today. This is the first thing I would think. Yeah. Jillian, that's exactly the response women have. They <sighs> think that they're deconditioned. Yeah. They think they have anxiety, and they think they're thinking it up. They, they have to get back in shape. That's what women think. Right. So okay. shortness of breath is a critical, so that's number one. Okay. Number two, weakness. And the weakness that they feel, they start thinking is that like an arthritis? They're saying, gosh, my, it feels like my joints hurt. I can't move. I've got, you know, concrete blocks on my legs. They can't figure out. So the women that are experiencing, and it's because the heart isn't able to pump the blood right because it's sick. It's having what we call ischemia. It's not getting enough blood flow through the heart vessels, the coronary arteries. And so the heart, your pump, can't actually pump the blood through. So they're feeling like, wow, I can't move. 
there's something to that. But if you suddenly feel, and if you feel that over a day or two and it doesn't go away, goodness, this is something you have to pay attention to. Okay. Unless you have another reason, weakness is something, if it's new, that you have to look into urgently. See, again, I would think I was tired. Right. I'd be like, oh, I'm just exhausted. Yeah. That's <laughs> Family, I would think of all the things that I would think if this was happening to me. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm just be, I'm exhausted. Right. That's what I think. And that's what women think. So number three, unusual fatigue. And the unusual fatigue can even, uh, they classically call it feeling overworked. And in fact, depression has been put in this. So some women would describe their symptom as a feeling of gloom and doom. They will say they feel depressed. They can't understand why they don't have their get up and go. Right. And by the way, we don't want to we don't want to put a blanket on when you feel that that this is cardiac disease. But if if there's something you actually can't rebound through, and even if you get therapy directed at looking at okay, well, are there life changes and are there other psychological reasons for that? That unusual fatigue, that gloom and doom, depression, that needs to be looked at, and you need to go to your primary care doctor, and you have to have someone look into. Is that anything to do with heart ischemia or not getting enough blood flow to your heart because of heart disease? Wow. Okay. Wouldn't think to do it, right? No. No, I wouldn't. So, it's interesting because you say women are more stoic. We're like, no, I'm fine. And it's like it's, we've been culturally uh, you know, conditioned to sort of make excuses and I'll push through it. I'm fine. It'll be fine. I'll be okay. And, you know, Jillian, not only for that reason, because you're 100% right, you've got to multitask, all these things, you're used to it. Women go through cycles, even through their natural cycle. They're used to having off days and on days yes. and so forth. So you kind of learn to live with your body signaling. It's yes. a little bit different. Men have their other endocrinology and other issues, but women have that monthly way of trying to know if they're in the right place or not. <laughs> yes. Is, right? So women are, you know, you're kind of used to rationalizing how you're feeling on a given day. But if things persist, and something that's really important that women and men don't understand about women or don't give credit to is everyone assumes that this estrogen protection, so-called, right, which is true, that we have, it's going to cover all bases. But that, guess what? It doesn't. It actually doesn't. These genes are deadly diseases. I mean, they will kill you. And and they don't, you know, someone said, um, gave an interesting comment about uh, glaucoma. They said it's a burglar in the night. So glaucoma is high pressures in the eye. Now, I thought burglar in the night, we can transfer that to cardiovascular dysmetabolic syndrome because it really is like a burglar in the night. It's a silent killer, right? Or a silent do harm uh, element. So if we're going to move through this, which I think we have to, because yeah. it's really critical to get all these in place, shortness of breath, weakness, okay. unusual fatigue, gloom and doom. Number four is nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain. That's and what fact, this woman had, nausea and heartburn, but she thought heartburn. that it was the baby. And the, and nausea? Heart it's disease? A, it's a classic. So women will, have, will, will feel like they have a GI flu. It's recalcitrant. That's a clinical term that just means it's relentless. It doesn't stop. Got it. And they and, and it's not IBS. It's not acid reflux. That's correct. That's immediately what I would. I can't dying right now. Now yeah. I. Would, <laughs> that's immediately what I would think is it's acid reflux or something. So, so you give yourself and you don't panic. But when you get a sudden onset, a sudden onset of heartburn, nausea, and starting to vomit. That's actually a reflux that can happen, especially when the back part, the posterior coronary arteries are affected. 
and it, it, it presents just like if you actually were having reflux. The okay. danger is, and that's why it's really important for men, women, you know, everyone to be informed, and especially men that love their women, to be informed that when you present, when a woman presents like that suddenly, yeah. and you go to your doctor or to the ER, you've got to just don't be afraid. Say, do you think this could be cardiac? I think it's really important. Okay. Now, we don't want to make people start getting overly nervous and right. self-diagnosing. Okay, right, of course. Right? Okay. But guess what? Help your doctors, help your nurses. They're right. good people, but you know what, healthcare, Jillian, you know how this I, is going, uh, and Janice, yeah. patients have to be empowered through their own knowledge. Right, okay. Okay, number five, dizziness. It's really odd, but what we see is that some patients, the only complaint they have is they feel dizzy. They feel the room start spinning, not like vertigo, but they say they feel like every time they get up, they're going to drop. They feel like they're dehydrated, but despite drinking fluid, which may not always help because they can start getting lower extremity, like leg edema and right. so forth, swelling, and that dizziness may be a sign. If you have unexplained dizziness, okay. first of all, obviously go to your doctor, get it checked out. If it's severe and you can't stand up, you've got to go to an urgent care or ER, but dizziness is number five. Okay. Number six is when you have exertion that you feel like that you can't continue. So it's a funny thing. They call it fatigue on exertion. Now, that's a little bit different than generalized fatigue. People do fine if they're at their office and, and their desk. They, they do fine if they're in their car. But, like, the minute they have to get out and even walk across the parking lot to go to the market or, or walk to the office, and I'm not talking about stairs, there's this funny thing People will say only happens when they have to do any kind of exertion. And I'm talking about getting out of bed to go to the toilet. Whoa. So fatigue on exertion, very atypical. You would never think that that had anything to do with your heart, but that's one of the things you have to think about. Okay. The last one, number seven, upper back pain. So what? Yeah. Upper <laughs> up, back pain? Upper back pain and shoulder pain. Now, we're not talking about the classic symptoms. Angina it's, thing in the yeah. arm? So not that's that. the left arm. It can be the right arm, by the way, up to the jaw, you know, those kind of things. Okay. It's not that. This is upper back pain. And what women will start pointing to is they'll, they'll reach over and they'll point as if they have, let's say, a, you know, a spinal in the thoracic spine, your mid-back, between your shoulder blades, let's say. Okay. They will feel like there's something there. They're, they're kind of pushing on it, and they almost can feel it. Now, it's nothing to do with the upper back, but again, this is the posterior or back of the heart that may not be, be getting enough blood flow. And upper back pain is actually one of the most classic. It's number seven, but none of these are in any order except that they're all absolutely critical. So women that get these symptoms, any of them, from the shortness of breath, the fatigue, the dizziness, the nausea, GI complaints, upper back pain, feeling like there's something not right. It's not, I have a flu, I don't have a fever, I don't have any of those things. Don't poo-poo it. Don't just put this off. This is something that if a woman is well-informed, and that's what you're best at, both of you, to get this, Joel, out on this show, go in and say, could this be cardiac? Okay. Okay. Dr. V, I have a dumb question. Yeah. I have good cholesterol numbers, right? 
But yep. my dad's mom, at 66 years old, dropped dead of a heart attack at yep. a bank. Boom. Done. And this was a woman who ate well, who did her Tai Chi, you right. know, Mediterranean family, like, you know, ate all the all the Mediterranean foods, like yeah. the heart-healthy diet. And now, it did run in that side of the family, and her sister had like a quadruple bypass one of her sons my uncle had like same thing you know quadruple bypass she obviously either knew and didn't tell us or wasn't up to speed but if my cholesterol is good am i still at risk of heart disease you potentially could be really yeah because we don't know all the risks now 64 percent of women and i may have said this earlier who die suddenly from heart disease have had no cardiac symptoms Oh, God. So how scary is that? But, so but what do you do? Then we go to the doctor and we say... I know, I know. And this is why you have to be empowered to know this. So okay. this is why you're so great at, at what you do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> here we go. We get you to come on the show oh, for oh. free. <laughs> but we are we're very manipulative like you're that. It. Cholesterol being good, okay. and that's in standard testing. There's fancy ways to test it, and we okay. can go through your test separately, Jill. But... The, the standard ways of testing it, it really does give you uh, quite a lot of reassurance right. when those numbers are low. So that's good. Next things that are really important is blood pressure and looking at all the other elements of your cardiac, sort of your mobility. And you're an avid exerciser. Clearly, right. that's, you know, you've built your life works around this. You're a great uh, person in terms of nutritional intake. But you have to look at all the elements. What is the blood sugar? What are you? What is going on in terms of your hormonal status? Got What's it. going on with your blood pressure? What's your salt intake? Yes, your cholesterol. And there's some fancy ways of checking that. Okay. So it really becomes looking what at the whole I call picture. a clinical like fingerprint. It becomes a fingerprint that you sort of like a CSI thing. You you want to? Okay. I don't want to get fancy about it, but it becomes this portfolio of all the different elements that you want to control. And it's not just one. That's a really important piece, and that's what you're raising. Is it just cholesterol? Is it just blood sugar? Is it just uh, my blood pressure? It's not just one thing. Okay. That's the key. And obviously, exercise, fitness level, diet, dietary intake, smoking, alcohol, uh, any other substance abuse, all those things go against you. So you have to literally, I would suggest people sit down with their nurse practitioner, their primary care doctor, their specialist, and you, you really should say, okay, here are my pros and here are my cons in okay. terms of my risk for heart disease. Here's what I wrote down. You tell me what you think. Got it. Dr. V, thank you so much. Oh, yes. And are, are you, I know you're, <laughs> do you even want me to give out your website? <laughs> I know I know your uh, practice is pretty full at the moment, but. You still can. It's Dr. D-R-V-A-N-H-E-R-L-E at AOL.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Van Hurley. Oh. We, we really appreciate it. You're the best. Thank you so much. Powder in your hair, in your jeans, fireworks at the water. You were holding. It's your birthday. Look at Brittany made this herself for you. And was this a birthday episode? This is your birthday. Yeah, Brittany made it myself herself for me. Why is it sitting on a patisserie <laughs> box? Wait a minute now. You have to make a little. Let me put my headphones on. I have to make a wish. You have to make a little wish for your birthday. I wish the IRS would shrivel up and die. <laughs> Yay me! Now I have a. Which one of you a holes thought that a fruit tart was the way to go? <laughs> well, who who did that? Your amazing assistant.
Brittany. Hey, there was no, like, you know, chocolate. Girl, well, then you need to go to a new place. Okay, sorry. See, you know, I, I have a Really? You expect you. me to roll gently and gracefully into the future with fruit tarts? It sure looks awfully good. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, oh, I was like, please. you know what? I'm going to make her really happy. This has got to be loaded with all kinds of antioxidants. Yeah. And I mean, what's who did that? Was that you, Janet? Jake. Oh, Jake. Jake. Yes. My, Janice, my gas comes out the other end. The... I, I forgot that we were recording. How could you possibly? Well, because I got so into the birthday celebration. I got so into Now, I have a little present for you. Now, I couldn't wrap it because oh, I came on the plane. You can't wrap jewelry. Jewelry. I got you some jewelry. Jewelry. Something very special. Jewelry. Oh, Here, no. Jillian. Happy birthday. It's from me. I got it at the store. A wristband dragoness. Is it one of those slap things? Yep. Slap <laughs> she got thing. excited that I knew what it was. Look at. Yep. Look, Jill. Slap it, it out. Says whatever. Says whatever. Yeah. Picked it up myself. You slap it like on. Yeah. Pull up My your, God, pull that up your is shirt. ugly. No, put yeah, it on. Slap it on your wrist. I, yeah. For everybody out there, Janice got me a pink plastic <laughs> band that's about an inch thick yeah. that says whatever on it. It looks sort of like a tampon color. <laughs> I want you to wear it on the Biggest Loser finale show. Wasn't it you who just a few short weeks ago was attempting to give me fashion tips for my yes. Biggest Loser attire? So no heels are allowed, and you have to wear that. Flats and your whatever. Now slap it on. Look at. Ooh. My God, that is awful. Don't you think that's cool? I bet you it could fit around your bicep. <laughs> oh, Janice, thank you for this. Now, how are you feeling about your age? Um, it's a good question. Not I feel like 40 is going to be brutal. I, I feel like 40 is going to be tough. 39, I'm just like... Okay, I'm 39. All right, that's okay. 40, I think, is going to be a rough road. And what does that represent to you? That that wh Like, what does that you mean? You know what? So I'm watching this movie the other day, right? The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I was talking to my friends the other day as well. We were, we were talking about kids, and they were like, just what's different, right? What's mm -hmm. changed since having kids? And so... I, you go about your life, and it's always been your show in your life. You're the lead right. character in your own movie, right? Mm -hmm. And then I had the kids, and I was like, I realized one day around the holidays that suddenly I was living in my kids' memory. Does that make any sense? Like, have you ever looked back and thought... Wow, I remember my first ski trip. Oh, I see and what you're saying. And then you look back and you, my dad, you know, made this and we did that. And my mom wore this and I wore that. So now I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm living in their memory. They're going to look back at everything. And I am now part of, that. Part of their memory. Like, it's no longer my life. It's almost like I remember our first ski trip. My mom was there, and she wore this, and my dad, and we did that, and we were, it's like, suddenly, I've begun to, to take on a completely different existence, almost as a part of my kids' past in the strangest way, because for some reason, I, I already see them as adults and them looking back at their lives. So I'm watching this movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and it's this young guy, and he's in high school, and I don't want to give away too much of the movie. It takes place in what I think is the 80s, 
Um, They never fully clarified. But he's talking about being young and all these amazing things that there's left to do. And he's like, sure, one day we're going to be somebody's mom and somebody's dad. Mm. But right now. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I think less about crossing over into 39 and 40, but more about. I truly feel my age when I think I've crossed over into my kids' parents because then it, it is no longer your story. No, it, it's an interesting Which concept. I don't, I don't feel like it is. It's definitely like I've passed it on to this new generation, and now everything I do is about creating their story, mm-hmm. their history. You know, who are they going to be? And that's, that's tough. And it, and it, it, and people will disagree with me and I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. It's just how I felt. So I don't really mind like, all right, you're getting older and I try to take care of myself and, you know, and I think I do a fairly good job of it. Um, but it is an interesting transition to go from that place of like, the world is yours and every door is open to go, you know, I'm halfway through this thing. Uh, And, you know, and at some point in 10 years or so, I want to wind it down. And so, you know, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's interesting. Getting older, I'm trying to do it as gracefully as possible. Oh, Jillian, you look great. You look great. But it's a frame of mind. You become conservative. And you lose that part of yourself that was a lot more lighthearted. I find that that's gone away with age. You take the world very seriously, which is probably not a good thing. But, you know, we'll see. Very cool. Yeah, thanks for the fruit tart and the tampon bracelet. Yeah, you're My toddler's welcome. just going to love this. Well, we couldn't let the day go without, you know, a little celebration. Thanks. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger schleichinger i've been friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>